0: Hi, everybody. This is Ben, and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and glimpses into life in medical school. This podcast is for your entertainment and education. I do my best to present accurate information, but this podcast is not professional medical advice. The podcast is a personal project and does not represent the views of my medical school. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Ben's Week. medical school. This is episode 32 and I'm just finishing week 36 of medical school. So today I'm going to talk about the results from my practice test that I took last week, two weeks ago now, and the first two shifts that I've done in the emergency department for my new research project. And a little intro into how we're studying the brain for neurology and um, the second round of COVID vaccine clinics that we just kicked off this weekend. Let's get started. So I got my results back from a practice test that I took two weeks ago. It's the practice test that's supposed to be like the first board exam that we have to take to become, uh, well, to move to our next step toward becoming doctors. It was kind of easier than I expected in some ways, First off, uh, it was four 90-minute sections with 50 questions in each section, and I guess I thought that it was going to take longer. Um, I thought it was like a a seven-and-a-half-hour test, but I had some time left at the end of each section because I wasn't answering all the questions because I didn't know all the material. So, I mean, I answered every question, but some of them I just kind of had to guess. So, I had probably only to take about five-and-a-half hours for the test. I didn't get a passing score, but I was kind of close, so I don't know, probably just because I've been taking a lot of tests uh, and can do an okay job narrowing down answers to a, a few different choices. I'm hoping maybe next time I will pass the practice test, which just qualifies me to take the real tests sometime next year. As of this weekend, I've now spent 40 hours on call for the emergency department research project. We're studying two different drugs that treat nausea in the emergency department. And so that was just two shifts, actually. The shifts are supposed to run from 8 a.m. to 4 a.m. the next day. Um, Which is a big part of why it was really hard for me to find time to make the podcast last week. My job isn't really to be in the emergency department for 20 hours in a row, but the goal is to be available for that whole time. We're comparing two nausea medications that both sometimes use to treat people in the emergency department. One is really common, it's called Zofran. The other is like a second or third line treatment for nausea called Haldol. But our principal investigator thinks that Haldol actually might work better, or at least not be worse than so we're testing that. Uh, so here's how it basically works. A patient comes in to the emergency department because they've been nauseous and throwing up and need to see a doctor. When that happens, I get a page from the triage nurse. So I race over there, and as the patient gets into their room, I intercept the doctor and introduce myself, tell them about the research project. And if they let me, if the physician lets me, then I'll go and talk to the patient and explain the study and see if they'll participate. Uh, If they do, we put them on a heart monitor, order the investigational drug, and then once they give it, I check up on the patient and ask them how their nausea is doing on a scale of 0 to 10, right when we give the drug, then 30, 60, and 90 minutes later. That's how it's supposed to work. But in reality, our emergency department has been so busy by about, I don't know, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there are three, sometimes four-hour waits for someone who just has nausea. And when I say just has has nausea, I mean that in the emergency department, doctors have to prevent death and avoidable injury and disability. So nausea by itself is unlikely to cause that, especially if the person's vital signs are okay, they're speaking coherently, they don't have a fever. Even if they feel horrible, they probably won't get much worse in three hours compared to someone who comes in with the possibility of a stroke someone who's been in an auto accident. Um, So it's, it's a lot harder to get people enrolled in the study when they've already been waiting for three hours. And then when the emergency room is that busy, the doctors are rushed, the pharmacist is busy, it's just harder to get people in. So, so far I've gotten two people enrolled, two in my first shift and zero in my second shift. I was really close to having one or two more, but... It just didn't pan out for one reason or another. The patients have to be within a certain age range. They have to not have taken any nausea medication in the last eight hours. I will be doing one more shift in April and then uh, signing up for more shifts in May. So we'll see how it goes. But it does take a lot of time to be on call. Uh, I'm getting better at it though. I spent a lot of this last shift on call at home or studying at school. So I wasn't, uh, I was still able to be pretty productive even while I was on call for the research project. So we're learning about the brain now. And one of the key tools for making discoveries about the brain are MRIs and CT scans. These are the two heavy lifters of examining the brain. X-rays are good for a lot in the body. um, But they really are best at showing bone and really thick structures like like your lungs, uh, the location of your heart, and the size of it. But for um, for looking at the variations and undulations and smaller structures that are in the brain, you really need something more detailed. So I kind of have this analogy of of an X ray as being like a basic paper map that you can unfold like a street map, whereas CTs and MRIs are more like an interactive Google Maps, and you can zoom in, turn things around, turn things on and off, like streets and satellite view, and then change your perspective. And um, it's much more interactive, and you can be much more selective for which types of things you're looking for. You can see soft tissue structures in CTs and MRIs in much more detail than you can with an x-ray. There's a big difference between CT and MRI. A CT uses radiation much in the same way that an x-ray does. In fact, uh, getting a CT is almost like getting a uh, an x-ray movie taken of your head. The x-ray machine rotates and moves and takes a series of maybe 500 images and then those all get put together into a three-dimensional image. So there's a lot more radiation than a single x-ray. The great thing about it is it's quite fast. And it's, and it's relatively cheaper than an MRI. So CTs are the go-to way to look at someone's brain if they've been in uh, any sort of a traumatic injury, like a car accident. Also, if they come in with symptoms of a stroke. The two other great things... Um, are that you don't have to cram into a small tube. The MRI is the one where you're actually inside a quite tight tube, so that can be rough for people with claustrophobia. And then also, in a CT, nurses and doctors can still access a lot of the patients even while they're in the CT scanner. So CT is great for checking whether there's bleeding in the body or not. Areas with fluid tend to just be dark, whereas things like muscles and brain tissue will be like a medium gray color. So you can see if there's a dark patch that's pushing the medium gray color out of the way. And that's especially important in something like stroke, because there's two kinds of two main reasons why you would have a stroke. One is that a part of your brain is bleeding, which is called hemorrhagic stroke, and the other is if part of your brain, some of the blood vessels have been blocked off, which is called an ischemic stroke. The treatments are the exact opposite of each other. When someone comes into the emergency department with symptoms of a stroke, the goal is to fix that problem before the part of their brain that's been cut off from a blood supply dies and it has to be fast and so ct is the number one thing to do when someone comes in with a stroke and the main thing is to determine whether you need to give blood thinners and break clots in someone with an ischemic stroke or whether this person has bleeding in the brain in which case you would um, not not give those blood thinners that would cause more bleeding that's that's the reason why ct will be done first when someone comes in with a stroke it's fast and it gives you the most important answer you need to at least initially start treatment mri is really cool though it doesn't use any radiation Um, it uses magnets which sounds pretty high tech that's really nice because you can give somebody multiple mris without giving them you know a year's worth of radiation in one day It takes longer, but the results are incredible. Anybody that's doing research in the brain is probably likely to be using an MRI because you can pick up on really subtle structures in the brain at high resolution. Um, You can even detect how active certain parts of the brain are using functional MRI. My bioethics professor specializes in neuroethics and thinks that in 50 years, technologies like fMRI or the next generations of it will actually let scientists read people's thoughts. I can't tell if he's just messing with us to engage our ethical brains. Uh, One of the other things that I got up to this weekend was doing a second round of COVID vaccination clinics. I was there on Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, I got to um, be the holder of the EpiPen. So I was just watching over people after they had their vaccine to make sure nobody was in any respiratory distress and uh, mostly really just chatting with the vaccine recipients and, and talking to some of my classmates and other volunteers. Um, at, there was nobody who experienced any distress while I was there, so I didn't get to use the EpiPen. Today, I got to vaccinate people, so I think I probably vaccinated 30 or 40 people with the Moderna vaccine, and it was really fun. There, The DJ was back playing music for the vaccine event. People were more excited to get their second dose because that's like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I made it through. And so there was just a lot of relief. I think at the same time, Michigan is getting more and more cases of COVID right now. So people are individually relieved, but probably collectively like anxious and frustrated with how things are going overall in the state. Tomorrow, a group that I co-founded with one of my classmates, the Medical Multimedia Journalists, we're bringing in a physician and writer to talk to our class about his work in medicine and in writing. He's a novelist as well as a an internal medicine physician, and he's a famously good storyteller. A lot of his stories come from his time working in tropical medicine in Madagascar and in Kenya. And he's going to come talk about his books and his medical mission trips. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see what he has to say and hear some of his stories and see his uh, see slideshow that he's going to give us. So that's it for tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Email me your questions and comments. My new email address for the podcast is ben at bensweek.com. And thanks to David Funkhauser for the intro and outro music. Have a great week.